Okay, there, everybody. Hi. Nice to talk to you again. It's me. It's me, the real John Baker, sitting here in my study where I've just actually hung up a new picture of, well, not new, or not recently. I hung it up probably two weeks ago. It's a picture, a wonderful drawing of uh, the Big Lebowski. It's inspiration for me. Um, So, nice to be back. I took an unneeded hiatus for a while. Um, But here I am back again. I know that I posted a while ago that I was going to put up an interview with uh, Carol Ann Granitstein, which I will do. I just had massive audio issues, and uh, I haven't been able to uh, figure out a time with her, Uh, but I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, but before I get to today's um, interview uh, and who I spoke with, I, I'll tell you, I spoke with my old friend. Everybody seems to be an old friend, but I do. I know a lot of people who who have done some interesting things. And in this case, it's my old friend Corey Schuster, who now lives in Israel. And um, Corey, for the last God, I don't even know how many years. Definitely more than ten. I probably should have asked him this, but he has been doing a project. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's called the Ask Project, where he uh, solicits questions from everyday people, and uh, he poses them to uh, various groups within Israel. Uh, I tried to see if it was just uh, Israelis and Palestinians, but he said, really, the questions can be asked to anybody. Um, and he asks them and airs these videos unedited. And I actually was going to edit my interview with him because there's some boring shit in the middle about smoke and pot. But you know what? In the true spirit of the interview, I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to let it go. And you're going to have to plod through probably about a minute, a minute and a half of blah, 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 blah. But it's exciting stuff. The rest of it. It's very good. Corey is wonderful. I love talking to him. Um, but before I play the interview, I, I need to make special mention. Uh, a dear friend of mine um, who I've known uh, probably for just as long as I've known Corey, which we've established, we established in the interview is, is you know, probably some 36, 30, close to 40 years. Um, anyway, a, a dear friend of mine, I'm not going to say his name because it's privacy, you know, uh, but he's had some health issues. Uh, he's in Toronto and I know that he does not have a TV in his room. And I know that, uh, many of our mutual friends have gone to visit and have expressed, uh, their, their love and their hope for a quick recovery for him. Uh, he was there when I proposed to my wife, he and his girlfriend at the time, I beat him by like eight hours to the proposal. And, uh, I will never forget it cause we were, we, I just proposed to Jen and, uh, they were in the room next door and we knocked on the wall and they came over and Jen and, uh, this woman were jumping up and down on the bed. She goes, I got engaged. I got engaged. And I looked over to my, my friend and I mouthed the words, I'm so sorry, because he had planned on proposing later that evening or that morning, I should say. Uh, and, uh, I beat him to it and I felt bad, but I figured, you know, I'd been dating Jen for seven years. He'd been dating his girlfriend for seven months. I couldn't have let Jen think that I was only doing it, uh, for peer pressure. So anyway, that's just where my mind was, but I wanted, um, 
let him know that he's too damn cheap to rent a TV. <laughs> That's not the case. They just, he doesn't want to watch anything. So technically I could spoil everything for him. You know, uh, Ross and Rachel end up together at the end. Uh, Sam and Diane don't get married and the bar just goes on. But I think Woody gets elected to city council, maybe. And Frazier goes off to move to Seattle to have his own show for 11 years. Uh, what else can I spoil for him? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? I could do the obvious, you know, Rosebud's the sled, Darth Vader's the father, Bruce Willis is dead, but I won't. Um, so I just want him to know that on this Rosh Hashanah broadcast, <laughs> it's my Rosh Hashanah show. It has nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Yeah. So the Rosh Hashanah show, I just want him to know if he's listening. Cause his wife said that maybe he'll listen to your husband, your, your brother's podcast. Cause my brother Alex had visited him. So if he is listening, um, I think he's been up to sped up to date with the lame ass jokes I made. Um, but I, we all want him to to get better uh, and and uh, be back to his old self. Um, nobody says the word fuck quite like him. Uh, and according to his wife, nobody makes a sandwich or parks a car as well as he does. Uh, so my thoughts, all of our thoughts, our friends, uh, our group of friends, we all are, are thinking about him constantly and uh, wish him only the, him and his family only the best. Um, and that's all. So uh, off of that, I'm going to go right into the interview. It's me. Uh, the audio is not terrible on this one because I recorded it on Skype on my phone. Uh, I've been rambling on for five minutes. It's me. It's Corey Schuster. It's unedited. We talked. Uh, he was in Israel. It was four in the afternoon. I think at one point you hear some traffic going by. It's, it's a lot of fun. It was great to catch up with him. So enjoy it. And then I'm going to come back at the end and I'm going to talk a little bit more and wish everybody a Shana Tova. So here you go. Corey Schuster and I enjoy. Hold on. I fucked up. Oh. We have not been recording this whole time. I thought we were. Oh, no. Okay. Now I see. Yes. Canada Bakers. Yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. I thought I was recording. Okay. So backtrack. Okay. So Corey, we've known each other for how long? We've known each other for, I would say 45 years, 44, something like that. Since Technically. Since, since I don't actually remember you that young, but I, I, I know we were in grade one together and, but I do remember you after that in grade four, five, six, we were friends in grade six for sure. Definitely grade six. And then at Gesher. Yep. Yeah. Hey, we would camp together. High years we went together. to high school together. Yep. And then after high school, you decided what you you said. I'm a Zionist. I want to go to Israel. Actually, no, because I still don't. I mean, going to going to Gesher, I had no clue what a Zionist was, other than being a lunatic and 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 the, the inmates <laughs> having control of of the camp, which right. I still tell people. I mean, in a way, that's what Israel is. It turns out, but I still tell people those stories about how we just used to leave camp and go get chocolate bars on Saturday morning because yeah. you know we were twelve or thirteen or something like that, and you yeah. can do that. Yeah, it's um, totally normal. Totally normal. Of course. Um, so, no, no, no. I, I went to Israel because a friend of mine, uh, Steve Wiesner, if anyone is listening who knows him, uh, decided he wanted to know what Israel is all about and understand what it means to be Jewish. And he said, come with me, come with me. And I went, oh, okay. And my reasoning for going was not because of Israel, because I didn't care. Actually, I was a little bit even against the idea because your group all went to Israel and just kept talking about Israel. And I'm very, 
I'm that type of person. If everybody's into something, I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. And I just get stubborn for no, like no reason really. Okay. Um, so he, I wanted to go because I wanted to travel and I thought that was a good way to travel while being at, it ended up being Tel Aviv university, uh, semester abroad program, which by the way is where I work today. And, um, I work across the street from where I lived 30 years ago. And so I went to Israel and spent seven months there, eight months there. Okay. All in all, yeah. At, at the university. Well, it was like six months at the university, and then I was supposed to go travel, and I didn't. And then I ended up uh, back in Israel on a kibbutz. And is that what I did? Yeah, that's what I did then. So I was on a kibbutz for a couple of months. I had no idea. Yeah. And where was that kibbutz? In the north. Matsuba, it was called. Okay, and you were a farmer for a few months. You I was them. learning Hebrew, and um, and I was no, I was in a woodworking uh, factory. So we were making chairs or something, and I was really bad at it. So I kept feeling bad <laughs> that, I'm, that they're selling something which is absolute crap because I don't know how to um, how to how to use the machines properly. So, so had you taken Mr. Schultz's woodworking class in had ninth I, grade? Yes, I never did. So this do you is remember terrible. Mr. Schultz? I remember. Yes, I never what? had him. Do you remember he had a hunchback? I do remember. <laughs> yes, there were a lot of strange people in that. <laughs> no hunchbacks. Don't I insult think, anyone. But there were there were a lot of strange teachers in that place. I think the thing that I love about talking to you, and because we don't see each other, I think the last time yeah. we saw each other was maybe five years ago at a Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. But I think you have a memory like mine where you remember the minutia of yeah. nonsense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, totally. Can't remember what I ate 12 minutes ago, but I right. or what I did yesterday. But I can remember details that are what people were wearing or strange, quirky things that people do. Yeah, for sure. Like that Mr. Schultz had a, a – and a missing digit. He, he was missing – Oh, I never noticed that. No, yeah. I never noticed that. Yeah, he was my ninth grade – uh, geography teacher, the only teacher to ever give me uh, detention, either as well. Oh, I got detention. Okay. Anyway, but so I, I want to ask you <laughs> about this: the Ask Project. This is something you have on on YouTube. Yep. And how long have you been doing this for? Since 2012. And from what I understand, the premise is uh, viewers of the YouTube channel send you questions, and you mm -hmm. unfiltered, unedited. Ask both Israelis and Palestinians and what Druze and anybody who lives here. Any any population that lives here is you can ask. Yes, and I don't ask the same question to every single group because not every issue applies to every group. So I that right. I'm a little uh, I, because asking, for example. I'll give you a good example. I asked Palestinians, what do you think of gay people? And what if someone in your family was gay? Because I knew it would be a little bit controversial. Right. And on the flip side, I didn't ask Israelis, uh, Jews, uh, that question because I knew it would kind of be the opposite answer, more or less. Uh, there are conservative people, uh, some religious people, but the majority of people would be incredibly uh, accepting. And right. I didn't want to create yet another – the whole point is not to create a – you know, we like this group and we hate that group dynamic, hopefully. I mean, but at the same time, uh, I want to show what the dynamics of people are like here. What what's going on? What do they think? What? So some questions which don't really apply to one group or make it too easy for one group. I didn't do. And then sometimes I get pressure. So, for example, the gay question I did ask Israelis, but then I made a rule that I'm only going to ask really 
conservative Israelis. So just to see oh. what happened. But yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And people could find all these videos on your YouTube channel. Yep, yep. Look for Ask an Israeli, Ask a Palestinian. It's all there. And like without, I, and I, I absolutely don't want this question to come off as as like insulting, but you don't like the questions you ask aren't like the. I know some of them are, but some, like the high-level philosophical questions. But a lot of them are just really like man on the street. What are you thinking? Questions. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> it's the questions I get, and I think it. The idea is to give the most information possible to the viewer. So sometimes I'll get a question, and it'll just be too. It's just not the, the people aren't going to understand it here because you're dealing with the different cultures. So they're not going to understand the way it was phrased. So I'll change it a bit to make it the way it's intended. What do people okay. want to know? So, yeah, sometimes there's simple things like what kind of music do you like or tell me some of your grandmother, you know, cooks or something right. to humanize. And but a lot of them, what I, the ones I like are the ones that are the hard questions. Like, why are you such an asshole? Oh. <laughs> Which I haven't actually asked that, but you know, it's a, you can see it embedded in some of the questions because that's what people think. They sure. choose a side and they think one side is an asshole and the other side is great, or they don't know some people. And, and what are uh, you? I do. Oh, sorry. What do your What do your critics say? Do they say, "Oh, Corey is biased"? He asks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Everything. I get it. Well, this is a very. Uh, I mean, conflict is about emotion, and this is a very this is a conflict that mo a lot of people around the world look at and think they know something about, or they have uh, a, a stake in the game if they're Jewish, or if they're Arab, or if they're Christian, and they believe that Israel's the Holy Land, or whatever. Uh, so a lot of people look at this, um, and they the first reaction I'd say is when they hear something that contradicts what they think they're going to hear is they get very defensive and they claim that I'm biased in how I ask the question or I'm only asking really dumb people or I'm choosing the answers, which, by the way, all the answers are there. I don't edit out anything. Right. Uh, so everything is there. Um, and the idea is just to get a solid or an idea of uh, a cross-section of society and what they think. It's not scientific. It's not, you know, you can't say, oh, all Israelis think this from watching one one video, but you get a sense. After you watch a few videos of each side, you get a sense of who they are. Uh, so, yeah, people think that I'm biased and that I'm um, just by the questions. And I have to explain to them that these are the questions that people give me. Um, I do change them sometimes a little just so the person at, I'm asking understands what they're talking about. Like, for example, one guy asked me, why, why don't you take the moral high ground and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there is no phrase for moral high ground in Hebrew that I can that I found. So I had to, you know, I have to you have to change it a bit. So it's the intent is there. Uh, yeah. And then other people say that because I speak Hebrew and I know the Israeli side better. I'm more schmoozy with them, which is absolutely true. That's true. I keep more of a distance with Palestinians okay. um, because also they have a much stricter culture in what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And I'm always afraid. I get hit a lot by my translator in the back of the head um, oh. <laughs> saying inappropriate things because that's just who I am. And so I'll say, so for example, I said, well, who, you know, who cares about God? What does God have to do with anything? And that's very taboo in Muslim culture. So right. And there was an actual I got hit on camera in that one. Um, so so I have to be a bit more careful and to try to make it as to get the most information that I'm not just offending people. That's the idea. But when you're asking um, 
like some a Palestinian about gay culture? Are they mm. they're, they're they I imagine would be more hesitant to answer because um, of the stigma that goes along with it in that culture. Yes. Yes, they're very embarrassed. It's like I'm asking, asking about sex. Um, so, yeah, but some things I just think are nobody actually refused to answer it. That was interesting. Okay. I, so what I understand from um, my exposure to Palestinians is they see foreigners, anyone who's not Arab and not Muslim or, or even Arab Christian, I guess, is in that group, like not in that group. I mean, so anybody who's a foreigner like us um, as being having different sets of morality. And they kind of know that on some on some level. So there are things I can say one on one with Palestinians that a Palestinian can't say to a Palestinian, or at least I've been told. OK, I or it doesn't get the same reaction. It's sort of, well, you guys are foreigners. You guys do, you guys are immoral anyways. You're off doing drugs and having sex with everybody all the time. It's you know, I wish that was true. But uh, <laughs> uh, at least that's the perception I get from people, because I would always ask, why are they not seem more shocked? And they, because you're a foreigner and it's, a, you know, for a foreigner to do that, it's not such a big deal. Okay. So I get away with things because they see me as a Canadian foreigner. So even though you've been living there now for 20 years, is 20 it? Years. yeah, about 20 years. Um, uh, yeah. Cause it's been a lot of off and on. So it's all, all in all, it's 20 years. Yeah. But I introduced myself as a Canadian. I don't feel very Israeli either. I didn't go to the army here. I, I mean, I have citizenship, um, but I'm, I don't feel culturally very Israeli. Okay. Here, when I'm in Canada, I totally feel like I'm Israeli. I feel like everyone's too slow, and you need to move those lines quicker. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I also, you know, it's it's legitimate. I really do feel like I'm a Canadian, and I'm thinking as a Canadian. Like I'm thinking about Canadian values as I'm as they're responding. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's and part of it. So, the, so the Canadian perspective gives you uh, a different outlook on how these questions are asked maybe yeah or how i react to the answers or because you know canadians we all want everyone should get along yeah and um that's so so i'm always looking for how do we just get along and so that's usually when when unless somebody is very explicit with the question and then they say okay if they say this ask that if they say you know what's your follow-up question i just go to, i go to somebody i know who's left wing or right wing or, and if I can't find that, then I just think, okay, what would a Canadian think who doesn't right. know anything about this conflict? So that's my go-to. That's my default. And have you noticed um, any of North American politics seeping into any of the answers or any of the uh, situations, maybe? I don't know what the right word is. Meaning, meaning how they respond to me as a Canadian? No, I mean, you know, we're seeing this whole, you know— uh, right wing shift in a lot of the world. I'm I'm living it right now in Virginia, mm. and the sort of the Trump effect, and it's it's spilling over to uh, you know a lot of politics. I see it in Canadian yeah. press. Are you seeing any of that there? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I got to think. It's sort of yes and well, no. I mean, nothing's going to change just because Trump does what he wants. It doesn't mean anything has that changed that much. I'll, I'll use I'll give the Israelis as an example. Um, I don't think anything has really changed. It's not like they're suddenly that much more emboldened to do whatever they want. But I think it it does have a bit of an effect, at least on what I see happening in politics, because um, the issue here is Jews settling the West Bank more right. and more. And under a gov if there's an American government which is more supportive, like Trump, 
they're probably doing it more, although I don't have any statistics to know if that's absolutely true. But I haven't noticed the day between Obama and Trump, let's say, I haven't noticed that Israelis suddenly felt they changed their politics. They just felt a bit more supportive. They saw Obama as not supportive of Israel and they see Trump as supportive of Israel. So a lot of them still, it's a 50-50 split, like the U.S., like a lot of Israelis. I know people say the Israelis support Trump. It's still about 50-50. A lot of people here think he's an idiot. Right. Uh, but a lot of people just, the people who are on the right think, oh, yeah, but he's, he supports us, even if he's not bright, even if he supports Israel. So, Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, I've, I've always found that, like, in North America, if somebody criticizes Israel, right away the Jewish response is almost all the time they're anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can't distinguish between policy criticism and uh, like religious criticism. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's true because because you're we all do that. I mean, if we don't know uh, an issue really, really, really well, like fr- from living it, you know bits and pieces that you're kind of fed and they ha- it has meaning to you. I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase this in a really general way so people can 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 feel what I mean. Um, so you get offended if they're anti-Israel or the people who are, are or the opposite. If you're Palestinian, you get offended if something seems anti-Palestinian. It might not be intended that way. It might be actual, just legitimate criticism. Like, why are they doing this? I right. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then everything gets skewed because of the media. I mean, that's, that's my my view, and that's part of the reason I do the videos. Is that you have a person here from you know CBC or NBC or I don't know who's here anymore, but CNN, whatever, um, and they're reporting news, and they bring with them their own personal baggage and their own worldviews, and they're reporting on something. And every time I read something on Israel, they're always get something wrong. Mm-hmm. Always, there's always some element that I'm thinking, no, that's not. You're you're going in the wrong direction. What are you talking about? And and I, it's because I happen to know it really really well that I'm getting hypersensitive to it. Right. Um, so you, as somebody who lives out in the U.S., um, you're hearing information which has a certain lens to it, right. which isn't what people here think or know or do. It's not quite the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you, you get this sort of skewed view, and then you support Israel. Let's talk about somebody who's Jewish. And then you just want to support Israel because it has meaning to you. It has a lot of meaning to you as a person. Right. And you don't know how to deal with that. So, you you know, we're trained as Jews to go for anti-Semitism because we think everyone is anti-Semitic. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are anti-Semitic. I don't want to take away from that. Just not everything is anti-Semitism. I agree. Exactly. Okay, so talk to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard because they want to see it that way. It's easier. It's easier because, you know, I studied conflict and it's easier to think everyone hates you and it gives you a sense of meaning and purpose um, to to think that way. So it's hard to argue with. I, I have the same conversations with my mother. Uh, so <laughs> I, I hear you. I try to explain that there's nuances to all this. Yeah. And there is anti-Semitism woven in Palestinian society, but for sure. The same not, way, it's not everything, but it's absolutely there. And on the flip side, there is anti-Palestinian sentiment. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking at how they look at Islam, how you look at Arab culture, yeah, how you look at Palestinians as just as people, for sure. 
So if anyone who is listening to this, they'll just get the impression that Corey is a very serious guy who is only serious about serious issues. No, 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 no. <laughs> I try to put humor in all these videos, but it doesn't always work. So. Because, again, humor is uh, hard to translate in some cultures, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've made jokes that totally fall. I mean, a lot of people don't find them funny anyways, but even if they do understand, but just also because of the cultures, they, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. So that's what my example of Israelis. I learned how culturally to deal with Israelis in this schmoozy, kibitzy way, which right. is different than Canadian Jewish and American Jewish. It's very different. They're completely different cultures. Um, which we could talk about if you want, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so I got used to learning Israeli culture and knowing how to schmooze. I'm not as good with Palestinians. So, yeah, that is a, a defect in the whole thing. I wish I could do both equally. I, I just can't. But maybe but in I, the next 20 years, you'll be able to. Sure. Let's, yeah, sure. <laughs> when you're a 70-year-old man. When I'm a 70-year-old, exactly. <laughs> Doing 70s therapy. Um, what, yeah, what is 50s therapy? What is that? You, you mentioned that. Oh, uh, yeah. So you said, I said, I'm 50. We're 50, dude. And you said, you're 50? And I said, no, I just tell people I'm 50 now because I'm 49 and I have to cope with next year when I turn 50. So I just tell everybody I'm 50. So that's the therapy. That's the therapy. It's slowly getting myself used to the idea of 50. So I'll be 50 for two years. Okay. I got it. I got it. Do you ever look, it's what I was, I was back home a few weeks ago and I was looking at pictures from my father's 50th birthday. Wow. Yeah. And do you ever look at pictures of, of your parents at that age and go, they were like, they were so old. Like, yes. not that. Yes. I, I, I meet people who tell me they're a year younger than me or my age. And I'm like, shit, does that what I look like? <laughs> yeah. 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 And also I think the styles are different, right? So in our parents' time, 50 to us looks just older. So Yeah. It was also like uh, my parents, and I don't know what years were like, but every Saturday night, my parents were going out to some party. It was like the most glamorous life I thought they led. Really? And, and here, we never go out on Saturday night. We're like, maybe I'll watch something on Netflix. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's just a different life. I'm trying to think. No, I think I live similar. I mean, it's similar to my parents in in the sense they didn't do anything ever. Oh, really? So, no, that's that's not that far off. I mean, they're watching all the family in their bedrooms today for the last ten years, <laughs> and I'm watching repeats of Friends and you know and Seinfeld. So, no, I, don't, I fall asleep to Seinfeld every night because it's like yeah. there's something comforting to me about it. Absolutely. So do you get do you get back at all to uh, to Canada to Ottawa? Yeah, I go every summer to visit my parents for about a week and a half. Okay, that's all you can uh, take. Uh, so and so I was just there uh, until Labor Day. That's usually when I leave. Oh. Um, and then I try. I've been trying to see them in the winters. They go to Florida, so I've been trying to. Well, at least last year I went because um, there's cheap tickets then. So yeah, I, I try to get back a little bit. Interesting. I should try to. We should try to coordinate because. Yes, absolutely. Because I think. Yeah, five I don't. Years. So okay, so this is another thing. So every year I make all these plans of everyone I'm going to see. Right. And I and every well, it used to be I would I. This is probably five years ago when I last saw you that I'd actually reach out to people, and then I learned that in my family it's just impossible because there's always some drama going on. There's always something 
of, you know, I have to do, and it never yeah. works out. So it's just getting, as they get older, it's getting harder and harder to make any plans with anybody. So, so I usually just don't make plans. So yeah, we had, a, we, we, we had a friend who probably about 10 or so years ago moved to um, the Bay area mm-hmm. and every year they'd come back to Ottawa and they would just put something out on Facebook that he and his wife would be at some pub, you know, yeah. on Thursday night. And like, that was it. If you wanted yep. to see them, you go to the pub. Yeah. And my wife and I sometimes think like, yeah, when we go to Ottawa, we should do that. But the downside is what if no one shows up? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you guys have fun. Well, my thing is I can't plan anything with my family more than like four hours before. So because they're just you never know if you're going to have a car. You never right. know. My father suddenly might need to go to Staples because it's very important to get paper clips. Very important. I've actually had these fights with him over ridiculous things where I actually had like to meet people and he's like, no, 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 I need to go get paper clips. It's very important. You got to have those paper clips. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, important stuff. So, yeah, but I, I should plan better. It's interesting. I've, I've managed to have a few Gesher people on this podcast because they are – a wealth of information over the years. Okay. Who did you have? I've had uh, Ruth Rakoff was on. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, we, we spoke of the summer of 82 and the virus. I wasn't there, but yes, I remember You weren't there that Whooping on a plate? No, I, I was sent to French camp that year. Oh, okay. So you no, summer to... of 83. The virus was summer of 83. That was French camp year for me. I hated oh. it, but. Why French camp? Were your parents hoping yes. bilingual? Yes. That's why I was put in Mr. Wilson's grade eight uh, French immersion. Okay. I knew no, I knew nothing in French. I knew no nothing. Yeah, my parents were very. My father was very. Um, he would actually quiz me in French, and I you know, to this day can't speak French. So sorry. Can't but you're well. fluent in Hebrew, so there you go. Uh, not exactly, but. Yeah, it's yes. Yeah. So I did learn a language. I got over that that idea that I can't learn a language. That's true. So you weren't there the summer of the virus. No. Interesting. No. no yeah. No. So I spoke to her. I spoke to Michael Gencher, who's in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I also spoke to Ruth's brother Simon, who was at camp for a while, but he's a comedian, and we just chatted about that. So oh, nice. No, I don't remember him. Yeah, there was some uh, comedy issue recently about with uh, satellite radio and how they weren't going to be paying Canadian comics. So we talked yes. about that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a good interview. I don't know. I'm trying to get this thing going, but like I said, it's it's. Hard. I'm trying to get. Was Kelly Mendelson? Did she grow up on your street? The street over. She was on Catalina. I was on Camwood. Okay, I'm trying to get her on the podcast too because she's in oh. uh, producer in Los Angeles. Yes. Yes. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff came out of uh, Arlington Woods. Yes, true. True. You're probably not going to be able to get Sandy on. No, I text her every now and then, but she doesn't respond. I'm sure. So I did see her though a few years ago when we were in LA, which was nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, and we just watched the Emmys the other night, which she did not win. Oh, she was. Oh, I didn't see the Emmys, so I I didn't know. Okay. Well, I PVR'd them. but what else is going on? Like, can we talk about? I've never, I haven't mentioned this at all. If we don't want to talk about, it, we don't have to. But being a gay man in the Holy Land, it's uh, it's easier than Canada in some ways. Well, 
Okay, I, there, there's mixed opinions on this. Uh, it's very easy. It's very easy to be a gay man. It's also, I think, it's also easy to be gay when I don't have any family here, or in the times when being gay was seen as, you know, it was like you had to come out to everybody. Right. Um, being in Israel and not having any family, or you know, or everyone knew me already as gay, it, it wasn't really much of an issue. Um, so yeah, no, I don't, for me, it's never, it hasn't been an issue since I, you know, let's say my early twenties. Right. Um, and then also part of it was we adopted a child when I was 31, 30, I think. And I had to make a decision that, you know, you sometimes are in conversations with people like the supermarket cashier and she's talking about your wife that I, in front of a child, I have to be very, um, uh, I have to recognize that, you know, I can't do that. I can't just let her think that I'm straight. Right. So so since doing that, you just get used to it. It's like a muscle. You just start, you know, every time someone mentions your wife, you go, oh, husband. Right. And, you know, you just get used to it very quickly. And also the world changed. So that's good. <laughs> that's a yeah. good thing. So I don't have to, you know, uh, live in this fear that people are going to find out uh, that I'm gay. Um, so, no, but I've never really had any issues. Also, I mean, you figured, or I don't know if this happened to you. Another thing that happened to me is at 40, I stopped caring what people think. Is that something that, that you know other people has happened to other people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for me. I, I'm a person, I think I do want people's approval a lot of the time. <laughs> But I, something happened to me around 40 or in my late 30s where I, I, I maybe it was the Israeli training. I don't know. I, I just stopped caring all that much what anybody thought about anything. Yeah. And and I just I mean, maybe I'm a little, um, you know, became a little sociopathic, I suppose. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just stopped caring. So it's also about opinions about things. I just like state things sometimes. And. Uh, in Israel, it's not such a big deal. And maybe it's also where I am. That's another thing. Yeah. So, so you know, just saying I completely disagree with you is actually encouraged in Israel more than more than in Canada. So, um, so yeah, that's also part of it. And maybe it is my Canadian uh, side that keeps me quiet down here. Like, I, first of all, I I know that I'm not smart enough on one or two given issues to have. A, like discussion with somebody say about politics or, you know, anything from like politics to, you know, what makes my car run? I don't know. People say to me, is that a V6? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I always say things like, I, I, I don't care. I, that's where <laughs> also about politics. I don't understand political systems very well. Although I actually took lots of courses in it. It's just not my, well, two things I know. First of all, I don't think I'm I'm very uh, good at it at, at predicting, you know, the, or explaining the political system of you know the U.S., Canada, or Israel, or anything that I'm familiar with. Right. And I also get the impression that all these people are full of shit because people keep you know stating things, and then three weeks later you find out well that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to wonder about these people who have an opinion on everything. I mean, you can have an opinion, what's right and wrong. I don't mean that. But, I, you know, in terms of I'm thinking about, oh, what's going on, like in the Israeli elections, I hear every day 20 different opinions about what's going to happen with the Israeli government. And I just keep going, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I don't have all the information. What do, what do I know? I find now with, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook and all of this, um, like people who 
people have opinions on things that I never considered having an opinion on. You know, like I knew somebody who somebody went a few years ago when the post office in Canada did something, they like raised the rate of a stamp or something. Mm-hmm. People were like losing their mind. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? Like, first of all, who cares that much? Right. Like, if you think about it, you're sending something from one part of the country to another part of the country for a dollar. Yeah. Like, that's pretty yeah, amazing. And why do you care so much? Like, you just want to be heard. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe people, I, I don't know what would make them um, so passionate about something, which I don't find all that interesting. Right. Um, stick. Yeah. If I'm paying a dollar or a dollar 10 for something like that. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Nope, stick, stick to the minutia of nonsense. Like Mr. Yes. Schultz and his missing digit. <laughs> so how is your son? How old is he now? He's 19. Oh, wow. Okay. He'll be 20 actually in uh, less than two months. Okay. Uh, he's good. He's okay. Yeah. He is. Is he in the army? No, he's not in the army. He okay. didn't want to do the army and he didn't want to do uh, national service. I wanted him to do national service, but he doesn't listen to me. Okay. Uh, he is working and he is finishing. Okay. So it's complicated here in Israel. There's this thing called, I don't know how you translate it, like matriculation exams after high school. Okay. And he didn't finish all of them. So he still has a few to do, and they're only scheduled at a certain times. So he's studying for that. So that's what he's doing, and he's working. Okay. Uh, he's actually, you'll like this, he's working in a, a, what do you call it, an agro store, like where you buy pot supplies, basically, so if you want to grow pot. You, oh, you, okay. Like, yeah. like it's, it's my ex-husband's brother who has the store. Okay, so he sells he's like... Grow lights, I guess. I haven't yeah. actually been inside it, so I don't know. Okay, so grow lights, and I'm guessing yeah, soils and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to go in and, and check it out. I haven't. I, it, so it's new. Now I haven't smoked pot in a long, long time, but mm-hmm. I would have to say some of the best pot I ever smoked was on kibbutz. Oh yeah. Okay. Probably the experience. I mean, everyone tells me everyone has this idea of the grass is greener on the other side. Well, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> where everyone else's pot is better. Because uh, Israelis tell me all the time that, oh, no, no, it's much better in America. It's much better in Europe. I, I don't know. I It doesn't affect me anymore, so I don't smoke. So, Oh, um, yeah, no, I stopped. Uh, God, I'm 48. I probably stopped 20-some years ago. But okay. when I remember, because I, I went to Israel in 93, I think it was, 92, 93, and meeting with the shaliach in Ottawa, the big thing was if you smoke pot, they'll kick you off the kibbutz right away. Right? <laughs> they actually, yes, that's true. That used to be true. Yes. Yeah. Today, no. Today, no. So I, I move, I go to the kibbutz, and like the first night I'm in my room with my roommates, they're like, do you smoke? And I thought they meant cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I smoke cigarettes. And like, no, 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 do you smoke? Like, but we can't. We'll get thrown off the kibbutz. And they're like, we get it from the kibbutz next. Oh, really? <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Some of them were growing it, and actually, one of one guy uh, who we knew, we found his plant, and it was yeah, it was it was amazing. Mm, nice. Okay. I, I so, mean, I'm not a big uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big smoker, so, but yes, I support legalization. It just seems like a silly thing. I might cut all this out. This seems less like nonsense to talk about. Um, so no trips down to Dahab. Do people still go to uh, Sinai? They do. Israelis actually do still go to the Sinai. 
Um, I'm a little nervous about it, but uh, I and I haven't been, which is more because um, well, I don't have any money to go. Is really the reason, um, and it makes me a bit nervous. It makes me a bit nervous to be in a place with a lot of Israelis in a place like Egypt. Um, yeah. I would go there if there weren't Israelis, meaning on my own, where nobody would know I'm Israeli. But no, it makes me a bit nervous. But I, I was there. I don't, did you go to Sinai, Dahab, and stuff? Uh, yeah, but this was in like again, it was ninety two, yeah. ninety three. Sure. Okay. Uh, so I went in ninety. That was the last time. Okay. I was there. And so and yeah, it's amazing. But from what I understand now, because when I went in ninety three, we stayed in like these shacks, basically. Yeah. And from what I understand now, it's completely changed, and it's there's like actual hotels and yes. indoor plumbing. So each as a place becomes, if I understand correctly, if as a place becomes popular, people go there. They start opening Moven Picks and whatever different hotel chains, and then the that living in a in a uh, a thatch roof. So it's these uh, cement. Just your your listeners, right. cement walled uh, uh, huts all connected and the floor is the sand and you have uh, palm fronds for, for a roof. Yep. And that just moves to a different place. So somebody else opens a different one and then all the young people, the pot smokers, the, the Israelis who don't want to spend a lot of money and just want to, they, a lot of Israelis still, they can be in their thirties, forties, fifties will go to these places and sleep on the ground and, you know, on, you know, on the sand uh, because there is something Interest and fun about it. I, I never would have thought it, and I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we did enjoy it. I remember thinking or, or noticing that, like, if you got two rooms, one room had a mirror and the other room had an ashtray, but no one room had a mirror and an ashtray. <laughs> you know, they're trying to save. <laughs> yeah, so you had, to, you had to have a friend or else you wouldn't be able to see yourself or use an ashtray. Anyway, um, okay, I'm gonna. We're gonna wrap it up there. How does that sound? That's it. Tough to be more. Well, Whatever know. you want. I don't know what to tell you about. I don't know what you're interested in hearing. We we can do this again in a in a couple of months. Sure. What if you want? Sure. I would love to because I'm gonna. Uh, I have a meeting at my son's school now, oh. and in a few minutes. Um, okay. But this was great because I, I actually have been wanting for a long time to find out more about what you've been doing with the Ask project. And uh, I want to, next time we can talk more about what you do when you're not doing that. Oh, that part's boring, but sure. Okay. The Ask project okay. is the only interesting thing that I think I do. I disagree. You, I'm sure, do many interesting things. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, your son doesn't remember me, but I met him a long time ago. Yes, I actually remember that at your your house, or your brother's house, or it could have been my house. I think it was your house. I remember you had a party, and I saw your brothers, and yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Well, give him my best. I, I, he won't remember, but sure. That's okay. And do you still are you still in touch with? Are you on good terms with your ex husband? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. We speak a couple times a week, and yeah. So we give fight him my best too. <laughs> he won't remember me either, but give him my best. Uh, probably not. He has no memory, so you know, okay. Don't, don't be don't be insulted. Um, and uh, Shana Tova. This will be Shana Tova. It's true. Yes. Chag uh, yeah. It's about to be uh, um, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. And yeah. Enjoy. Do you know what I, I, wife who I do remember? Both. Kids I don't think I ever met. No, probably not. They were really young. Do you remember though? And I want to leave on this because I only remembered this the last a few week, days ago. 
mm-hmm. when Rabbi Kaplun would bring us into his office at Rosh Hashanah. Do you remember yeah. that? And bless us with the with the honey cake. And yeah. I, as a fat as a fat boy, all I was thinking about is I want that honey cake. I want that honey cake. It's the only reason I'm willing to put up with this nonsense. <laughs> yes, I remember. He also dragged me into his office for bringing in girly magazines. That's how he phrased it. Wow, <laughs> really? Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was a little that was intense. I hear you're bringing girly magazines to school. <laughs> I think we're going to end it there. Okay, cool. If you think of anything else you want to know about, no problem. Just let me know. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Corey. You're very welcome, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, take care. You too. Bye-bye. That's uh, what we did. We talked about uh, old times. I particularly enjoyed the ending of that uh, interview where uh, I talked about going into Rabbi Kaplun's office for the honey cake, and he talked about bringing girly magazines to school. LL Academy, by the way. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's how we rolled back in the 80s, man, bringing uh, Playboy to, to Hebrew school. I hope you liked it. I know there was some time there in the middle where we were talking about pot, and I said, I'm going to edit this out, but I didn't edit it out because I wanted to be true to the interview as my friend Corey is to his interviews. Um the other thing is, I mentioned, uh, we mentioned in there that uh, I would like to be talking to Kelly Mendelson, and I'm hoping I can interview her uh, this weekend and then get it up uh, next week, because she too has an interesting story. So, Shana Tova to everybody uh, from the family of the real John Baker, uh, from all of us here at Too Lazy to Write, um, I want to thank my, uh, <laughs> my producer, Gordon McLean. Uh, I also want to say thank my my um, my audio tech Roger Splett and uh, my publicist uh, Fred Henson. Couldn't do any of this without the three of you guys. You're the best. I also want to thank uh, in the office. Um, I have uh, I have Audrey Belcher. She she answers the phones and she's just amazing. And uh, the woman who holds all of this together, who keeps me on schedule, who helps produce the show, uh, her name, of course, uh, is uh, is uh, Betty Murray. God love her. She's the best. So from all of us here at Too Lazy to Write, we want to wish you a Shana Tova, a Happy New Year, an easy fast. Uh, it's coming up, you know, right after that. And uh, maybe next time I'm going to tell you a little bit about the exciting time I had at the beginning of September when it was my son's bar mitzvah. Holy shit, did we have a good time. But from all of us here, the whole staff of uh, of Too Lazy to Write, all those names I just mentioned, none of whom I can remember, uh, thank you for listening, and I'm going to catch you soon. And if you have any questions or comments or feedback or whatnot, go to the website, to the, word, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word right.com, and there's a form there you can fill out, and you can send me some thoughts. Um, or you can find me on Twitter, at the real John Baker, or on Facebook. We're probably friends. Uh, so enjoy your week. Enjoy your month. Enjoy your new year. Shana Tova, and uh, take care of yourself. Bye now. Mm-hmm.